Welcome to Healthy Voyager Radio. I'll be your host, the Healthy Voyager, Carolyn Scott. Welcome back to Healthy Voyager Radio. I'm Carolyn Scott, a.k.a. The Healthy Voyager from HealthyVoyager.com, and I'm back this week with some great guests on this 40th anniversary of Earth Day. Lots of good stuff to cover. But first, I have a quick event announcement, and then we'll get to today's show. Uh, World Fest is coming up Sunday, May 16th from 10.30 a.m. to 7 p.m., WorldFest is a 100% vegan and eco-fest complete with music and food and all sorts of shopping and speakers and food demos and just awesomeness. It's 100% vegan, uh, but whether you're vegan or not, it really is just a great day for the family, for pet adoptions, for music and all that stuff. So it's it's quite a bit of fun. So if you're in L.A. that weekend of May 16th, stop on uh, by Woodley Park and check out WorldFest. And for more info on WorldFest and how to get there and all the stuff going on that day, check out worldfestevents.com, and that's plural, worldfestevents.com. All righty. Well, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, today marks the 40th anniversary of Earth Day. So today I'm going to go through, uh, I just, like today and through the rest of the weekend, I know that there are going to be a ton of events nationwide as well as regionally. Uh, to take part in and celebrate. I know that in D.C. there's a lot of good stuff going on, and um, here in L.A., even James Cameron's getting into it. I know at the Nokia Live Center, he's going to be uh, releasing the DVD of Avatar that day, so they're doing some big uh, whoopla something over there at the Nokia Live Center. But other than that, I know this weekend there's tons of little festivals all over town. Uh, So if you want to check out online what's going on in your town, Check out either yourdailythread.com, which covers L.A., but I know they have some national events, yourdailythread.com, uh, earthday.org, uh, Huffington Post Green might have a few postings, and then there's also thedailygreen.com. I'm sure there are 10 more sites, but uh, I know that these have some great information. In addition to uh, my uh, to all that, my Earth Day post comes out on uh, Friday, tomorrow, and I've got some tips for not only celebrating Earth Day with friends and family, but also some tips on making everyday Earth Day, not just uh, today and the weekend. Uh, One of my favorite ways to go green, of course, is to go veg. And I know that it's easier said than done, but for most folks, and like I've said in the past, every little bit counts. You know, start with Meatless Monday and then perhaps work towards one meal a day being veg and so on. Um, it, it really is a lot simpler than you think, and a lot of times you're actually eating a veggie meal and you don't even realize it. And I like to tell people that are hesitant to drive veggie or vegan food to not think of it as fake or missing something or anything like that, uh, because it really it's just another type of food. Uh, you know, it's a new texture, a new flavor that tastes good and is nourishing. I know a lot of people who um, who kind of look at it like they're missing something, but Technically, you're just missing one thing uh, if you're taking the meat out of the dish or the cheese out of the dish. And okay, yes, I'm willing to concede that for some time there was a lot of cardboardy, bland veg food, uh, but there have been some major developments in that department. I know there's tons of gourmet eateries and delicious bakeries and insanely good consumer products in the way of tasty vegan cheeses and meat substitutes. And Veg food really has upped its game, and it's only getting better from here on out. So take it from someone who ate a lot of crappy vegan cheese for years. It's way better now. Um, And I became vegan for health, so I tend to eat a lot more plant-based, balanced meals and stay away from the faux meats and cheeses and frozen-y processed foods because, believe me, there's a ton of stuff out there now. It's It's almost the opposite of why I became vegan. Like There's tons of good vegan junk food, and it's hard to stay away from. I kind of liked it when I was more limited. Uh, but every now and again, it's okay to, to jazz up a meal with um, with some, you know, some faux meats. And there are some that are better than others. I know Gardein is a lot more wholesome, has a lot more wholesome ingredients in it than most of the vegan meats out there. Although there are some that are, that are really good. I know Field Roast has some delicious ones that are very grain-based. Um, I tend to stay away from the TVP overly processed stuff. But uh, again, if that's if you're out at a barbecue and that's all they have, hey, it's better than nothing, right? Um, and the cheese, of course, I rave about Daya cheese, and that's not even soy. It's uh, it's made of cassava root, so it's completely allergen-free, soy-free, and it's it's just the bomb. So like I said, there's lots of good stuff out there. So um, I know that 
for people who are accustomed to eating a traditional diet and are looking to kind of wade into the ocean as opposed to taking a big plunge, go ahead and start with, start out with the faux meats and cheeses because it'll kind of make up for what you think you're missing. And like I said, it tastes so good now. And you can start getting into that little by little uh, to make some changes. But I digress. Going veg is not only beneficial to our health, but also to the environment and all of Earth's inhabitants. As most of you know, I don't really like to get preachy on my show. I kind of leave that for my passionate guests. But uh, here are a few points to ponder since today, of course, is Earth Day. Um, the first one is, and these are all taken from from websites and from an old post that I wrote uh, for Earth Day, I think last year actually. So you can check that out on my website if you miss it. You can just look up my Earth Day post from last year uh, on the blog. But did you know that not eating red meat and dairy products is the equivalent of not driving 8,100 miles in a car that gets gets 25 miles to the gallon? While buying local meat may sound like it might help, it only 5% of food-related emissions comes from the actual transport transport of that product. So not eating meat and dairy is the equivalent of driving 8,100 miles in a car that gets 25 miles to the gallon. So that's that's just for one person not eating it. And almost half of the water used in the U.S. is used by the animal agricultural industry. From watering the crops grown to feed the farmed animals and providing the drinking water for billions of animals each year and cleaning the factory farms, transport trucks, and slaughterhouses, the farm animal industry places a serious strain on our water supply. Uh, on Newsweek said that the water that goes into a 1,000-pound steer, one steer, would float a destroyer. That's insane. It takes more than four thousand gallons of water per day to produce a meat-based diet, but only 300 gallons of water a day um, needed to produce a vegan diet. So that's substantially different. That's 3,700 gallons of water saved um, by not consuming a a meat-based diet. And that's for one person. Um, More than one-third of all the fossil fuels produced in the U.S. are used to raise animals for food. It takes up an exorbitant amount of energy to turn animals into food. So so much of that far exceeds the amount of cars on, cars on the road. So again, it takes a lot of energy and fossil fuels. So that's another reason. The Environmental Protection Agency has found that animal factories pollute our waterways much more than all other industries um, and sources combined. Combined. Cows, pigs, chickens, and other animals raised for food produce approximately 130 times as much excrement as the entire human population. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's also the way that they're disposing of it is horrible. It's poisoning rivers, killing fish, and making people sick. Uh, In a lot of areas where people live nearby these production houses, I guess you'd say, the catastrophic cases of pollution, sickness, and death are occurring um, tremendously. Every place where their animal factories have have been located or are located, neighbors complain about falling ill and and getting all these crazy diseases that they would have never had if they weren't consuming the water or breathing the air nearby these factories. Massive amounts of grain and soybeans are grown to feed farmed animals. Close to 1.4 billion people could be fed with the grains and soybeans fed to U.S. cattle alone. So imagine completely decimating the hunger issue in the world if we all went vegetarian, um, if not vegan, because with the grain that we're feeding all the animals to factory farm them, we could be feeding hungry people and healthy food too. Uh, and here's another point. We could produce more food for more people if we stopped squandering our resources to raise the animals. It takes three and a quarter acres of land to produce food for a meat eater, while food for a vegan can be produced on only one-sixth of an acre of land. Yeah, for real. And here's the last one. According to the UN Livestock Production, uh, livestock production accounts for 70% of all agricultural land and 30% of the land surface on the planet. The UN reports that uh, the expansion of livestock production is a key factor in deforestation, especially in Latin America, where the greatest amounts of deforestation is occurring. 70% of previous forested land in the Amazon is is occupied by pastures um, and feed crops that cover a large part of the remaining part of the the rainforest. So we're we're killing our ozone too. So look at that. Anyhow, so those are uh, my my preachy facts for the day. But it is Earth Day and those are my reasons for going vegetarian um, for Earth Day. Uh, but it's always for me over and above his health. Anyhow, 
My guests today are going to help us with the ease of cooking vegetarian and vegan, as well as chatting about some great products and people and films who will illustrate the cause even better. So we're going to get started right after the break with the great gals of Spork Foods. Hey guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Lisa from the Brownie Cares for Rad. We see a lot of things at gigs, mostly people having a good time and having a few drinks. But what we'd hate to see is someone getting behind the wheel after they've been drinking. Being even a little bit over the limit makes it too easy to lose control and possibly lose your life or that of a friend. So if you plan to drink, plan ahead. Arrange a designated driver who won't drink or stay the night at a friend's place. Remember, music lives and you should too. Our public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. back on Healthy Voyager Radio. My first guests are bubbly, fun, and love to cook. All great qualities for gals who also teach others how to cook. These two sisters are the brains and machine behind Spork Foods, vegan cooking classes, and so much more here in LA, as well as online. To let them tell you a little more about Spork, I have with me now Heather and Jenny Goldberg. Hello, ladies. Hi there. (laughs) How are you today? We're awesome. Thank you so much for having us on. We're really excited about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. And I know you have some great stuff to tell us, so we'll, we'll get to it. So tell us and tell my listeners who don't know about you, um, what is Spork Foods? Spork Foods is a vegan, organic food company that's owned by sisters, me and Jenny, Heather and Jenny Goldberg. <laughs> Um, and we're located in West Hollywood. Um, we do vegan cooking classes every weekend. We've been doing them for about two and a half years. And we also do private in-home healthy eating consultations where we go to people's homes and we kind of revamp their cabinets and take out all the unhealthy stuff and replace it with all this good stuff. And we also do some small-scale catering. So that's what we're really focused on right now. Awesome. So why and when did each of you go vegan? Um, Well, it kind of got stirred by the environmental movement, and we each came upon it really differently. And I was in college, so was Heather, even though she's a little older, so it happened first for her. (laughs) Um, But um, we just realized that there was a strong correlation between eating environmentally and trying to make a decision about what goes on your plate and contributing to that environmental degradation. And then later, it became more of a health issue. It became, you know, a political issue and and all that for both of us. But it actually happened really differently. Yeah, it it happened for both of us in college, but we, and we came to it differently, but also through this environmental um, way. We studied environmental studies, and it really kind of affected both of our lives. And once we started learning about the environmental degradation, it's not something you can really turn off in your mind. Right. I, yeah, I totally agree. And it's it's good to hear you say about the environmental thing because obviously it's the Earth Day show, so it does make quite a bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I why mean, did you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying you can't deny the connection there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So because of all this, is that what made you want to go to culinary school to kind of move forward with the the whole vegan message and showing people? Yeah, well, um, I really loved cooking. We've loved cooking our whole lives. And we thought that the best way to kind of educate people is to show them that vegan food can be delicious. So we just actually started having all these dinner parties and you know, people were like, God, you know, you have to go to culinary school and really do this. And so then um, I found the Natural Gourmet Institute, which was your school too, which is amazing. Yay. And um, there, you know, it just kind of educated both of us because we would talk on the phone every day about um, the connection with your food and eating in conjunction with eating whole foods. So before we were a little more of junk food vegans when we first started cooking and the culinary school really brought us into the more healthy aspect of the vegan realm, you know, kicked yeah. up a notch a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is very easy to just eat convenient junky food, but it's also once you, yeah, you figure it out how easy it is to cook really well 
and and healthy foods. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that the school was amazing at showing us, you know, how to use these natural ingredients in a way that's gourmet and sophisticated and modern and, you know, also makes you feel good. A lot of people don't realize they should feel good after they eat. They shouldn't feel stuffed and weird. You know? And tired yeah, exactly. and have a stomach ache. That's, those aren't natural feelings. And, you know, a lot of people who come to our classes say, oh, I feel so good after eating this food. And we're like, well, it makes sense because you're not eating milk, you're not eating dairy products, you're not eating animals. And those things are hard for our bodies to digest. Oh, absolutely. Not yeah. Italian. <laughs> Italian food growing up and you get food coma. And now mm-hmm. I stuff myself to the gills and never get food coma. Definitely. It's a different kind of a feeling. We tell everybody to hold tight for 20 minutes and you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For folks who don't have the luxury of living in L.A. and coming to your classes, will they still be able to take advantage of Spork's awesomeness? For sure. We're actually launching sporkonline.com um, hopefully in a month or so. And what that's going to be is membership-based website where you can log in and become a member and upload your profile and do all that fun stuff and take our cooking classes online. So we've been shooting like crazy with all sorts of amazing people in our classes. We have actors, we have activists, we have writers and filmmakers and really, really incredible, inspiring people that come to our classes and we shoot them. So in addition to learning about four different recipes, we, um, we have a great dinner conversation. And that's also shot. So not only are you learning about recipes, you're learning about some lifestyle stuff. And you're kind of thinking about things that other people are going through. Oh, I'm a new vegan. I'm having trouble with this. Or, you know, whatever the issue is, all these other people are around to talk about it as if you're there um, asking those kinds of questions. So that'll be um, launched. Hopefully in a few, in a month or two, we also are doing these lifestyle pieces with celebrities and activists that we really respect, such as Jean Bauer, the president of Farm Sanctuary, such as Rory Friedman, the author of Skinny Bitch, and some other great people who were involving with this to kind of get the word out. <laughs> I dig and it. They're shot, yeah, and they're shot in HD, which will be really cool, and our friends are great filmmakers that we're working with, so they're editing and doing all that to make it look snappy. So <laughs> we're excited about it. That is very exciting. And I'm glad that uh, I'm obviously, you know, I've hung out with you and cooked with you, and uh, I really love that other people are going to get a chance to to take advantage of your of your teaching skills and, and what you guys have to to tell about the food and how to get people healthy by eating well. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And the other great thing about it is not all of our students are vegan or vegetarian. Some people look at this kind of cuisine as another genre of food to integrate and incorporate into their life so that they can eat healthier. Yeah, that's smart. And it is true nowadays. There's so many vegan restaurants that I would say their patronage is at least 50% non-vegetarian, and it is that extra option. Like, do you want Chinese? Do you want Italian? Do you want vegan? So, right. Yeah, it's definitely. definitely fun. What do you guys find to be the most common misconception about vegan cooking? Um, I think that a lot of people think that vegan food can take a lot of time. I don't think that you can, they, people realize that you can eat healthfully and make a whole meal in, you know, like Rachel Ray is famous for her 30-minute meals, but you really can do that with the vegan food you know you don't have to necessarily eat out all the time and you can do it healthfully and really fast I think that's definitely one aspect of making um you know one misconception about vegan cooking in general yeah there's also another misconception that we think is totally absurd which is that oh it's so expensive to eat vegan food well really you know Protein sources such as lentils are totally affordable. One cup of cooked lentils, for instance, is 18 grams of protein and only costs you a dollar. So, you know, it's less expensive protein than meat. And you're also going to be getting fiber, potassium, B1, and some copper in your body. So, 
you know, really, when you think about it, there's so many great, inexpensive ways to be creative and to be vegan and to not have it take a ton of time and for it to not be super expensive. Yeah, absolutely. I think, sure, you know, the the convenience of the the vegan products that are out there now, like, you know, the vegan frozen meals and the vegan pizzas, and sure, of course, those are going to be expensive, but you're right, cooking at home and being smart about the choices that that you make and what you're cooking can be way more affordable than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also going to the farmer's market and, um, you know, making that part of your ritual, part of the week, it's very inexpensive to buy a giant bunch of carrots and make a carrot soup. You can even make your own vegetable broth with onions and celery and carrots. I mean, there's so many different ways to incorporate farmer's market produce into your regular shopping, and it's way less expensive than going to a market. You cut out the middleman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you just got to shop and cook smart. In in your experience, what is the simplest meal, someone who makes the excuse that vegan, vegan cooking is hard or expensive, what can they make? Gosh, we really we whip up a cashew cheese really quickly, and it's a really high protein, really delicious way of sort of introducing someone to something that they've never had before. You know, sometimes they think at first it looks like hummus, and then they try it and they understand. And so, you know, if you have a blender, if you have some cashews, and then whatever you have lying around, if you have some white wine and some lemon and some, gosh, sage, fresh herbs of any kind, you can throw it in and make a really, really delicious, really quick dish. Yeah, and that's a good one. Yeah, that is a great one. And you can use it for all sorts of things. Mm -hmm, Exactly. You, You can use it as an appetizer, put it in an endive, or you can pack it for lunch with some carrots, or you can use it as a spread for, you know, sort of a wrap. I mean, you can go so crazy on that. Now, what is your favorite dish to make? Both of you tell me one of your favorite dishes. We could get it to the count of three. Oh, one, two, three. Mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> um, that's an easy one, then, both of you. Mac and cheese. Um, we made that vegan mac and cheese that has quinoa pasta instead of, you know, plain white pasta. And I think um, we use, like, a nutritional yeast-based sauce. And we throw in a few salt breadcrumbs on top of there that we make and maybe some tempeh bacon, and that's kind of like heaven. And even yeah. people that haven't experienced vegan mac and cheese before just go crazy over this. And it's the thing that we've had the most consistent, like, surprise and, and, you know, happy feeling from other people that eat it, you know. Especially because a lot of vegans and say, you know, cheese has been the hardest thing to give up. We hear from a lot of vegetarians like, oh, I would be vegan, but I can't give up cheese. So giving them this mac and cheese and seeing the look on their face when they eat it and they're like, okay, well, maybe I can give up cheese. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a very kind of satisfying and rewarding thing for us. So that's why kind of we like it the best. <laughs> and it's just, it's the ultimate comfort food, you know. And I think that it's so, it's everyone, everyone wants a killer vegan mac and cheese. It's just the way it is in life. When you, you know, search on the internet, you know, go on all these recipe sites, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. And, and we were looking for it too. And we experimented like crazy until we came up with one that we just adored and we make it on a regular basis. And actually, if we don't make it for a while, all of a sudden, like, our boyfriends will be like, can we, can we have that mac and cheese? Because we're craving it right now. So we really need to, we need to have it. Like, Get virgin. <laughs> you're totally making me crave mac and cheese. I think I'm going to have to come over and, and have some. For sure. We'll make you some. Is your mac and cheese going to be available with the Spork Online uh, cooking classes? It actually is. We did a whole Southern Comfort class where we made um, the mac and cheese. We made some great collard greens. We made corn cornmeal muffins with some grilled corn in there and uh, some other crazy Southern, maybe some cobbler or something like mm-hmm. that. But that's going to be one venue for sure. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So now since we're going into warmer weather, do you have any tips for folks who would like to start cooking more vegan dishes? Um, Yeah, we do. We think that, you know, going back to the farmer's market stuff, 
you know, in the summer, especially living in L.A., because it gets really hot here, and in the summer, kind of all over the place, it's, you don't really want to use your oven. It doesn't make sense. Um, and it, it is great to eat along with the seasons. So we think that, you know, utilizing produce from the farmer's market is the greatest way to go because when you use food that is so fresh and that has all the nutrient value still in it and hasn't traveled for hundreds of miles on a truck or in planes, etc., you don't have to do much to the food to make it taste good. It's already naturally delicious. So making, you know, beautiful salads and going crazy with fennel and, you know, all these other vegetables is kind of the way to go in the warmer weather. You know, not only are our bodies telling us to eat tons of raw foods, but um, the weather is telling us, and, you know, we need to listen to all of these things. Excellent. Who wants to heat up their kitchen in the summertime, you know? And even another one is quinoa. Quinoa is so great. It cooks in, like, 15 minutes. It's a complete protein. And you can – it's like a nice vegan chameleon. You can make that into a pesto. You can use it in a veggie burger, and you can make it go far. So any quick cooking kind of grains that are whole are definitely the way to go in the summer, too. So we use a lot of a lot of quinoa in this house. <laughs> it's everywhere. It gets everywhere. Yeah, and it's super, super tasty. Mm-hmm. So, ladies, tell me, uh, tell our listeners where we can find out more about you and your classes and all of that good stuff. Um, our website is called sporkfoods.com, so that's www.sporkfoods.com, and you can find out about our current class schedule, and we are actually offering a cooking tour of Italy that is now posted on our website. We're going in October. It's going to be, we're going to eat, we're going to pick our own fresh food, so that is all up there with beautiful pictures and, and great description. Um, we are also, yeah, we're going to be launching Spork Online, what we talked about, so that's going to be sporkonline.com. Um, so that's where you can find us. And our phone number, you know, just in case you want to give us a ring, is 323-512-5544. Excellent. Excellent, mm-hmm. girls. Well, thank you again for coming on the show today. I know you guys just had a big move, and you're doing some some neat new stuff, so I'm glad we were able to make it on the show. Thank you. We're really happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. I can't wait to come visit your new space and eat some mac and cheese. We can't wait. Come over. There's always something cooking. In fact, we've got tons of tarts in our fridge right now. So if you're hungry, (laughs) just come on over. You don't have to twist my arm. I will be there. (laughs) All right, girls. Thanks. All right. Everybody stay with us. Sure. Stay with us because after the break, I welcome the folks of Evo Lotus PR. making sure the air in your dream home is healthy for your family to breathe. Building a radon-resistant home is easy. Just ask your builder or go to epa.gov slash radon. A message from the U.S. EPA. Thanks for coming back to Healthy Voyager Radio. My next guests are husband-wife team who are the go-getter publicists behind Evo Lotus PR. Handling compassionate clients, Gary and Keija have devoted their lives to helping promote products, films, and people who are making the world a better place. With me now are Gary Smith and Keija Jerome. Hello. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? So nice to have you on the show. I'm excited to hear about all the great people you're working with. Oh, thank you. We're excited, too. So tell us a little bit about Evo Lotus PR. Uh, well, Evo Lotus PR is a PR agency that we started that works with socially beneficial companies um, and people doing things in like health and wellness, consciousness and spirituality, uh, documentary films, vegan foods. Also, we've worked with nonprofits um, in like social justice and animal rights groups. Um, mm-hmm. And we're really just trying to get more of these types of topics into the mainstream press. Um, in, originally, the way that we were looking at the agency was trying to work with um, media that was like in alternative medicine or environmental issues, 
And then we sort of realized that our clients are doing such important work that we really need to get these messages out to the mainstream audiences. Absolutely. Our, our, our tagline is PR for a better world. Um, so that uh, sums it up for us. You know, a lot of, a lot of people in the industry, a lot of the PR industry in general is kind of evil, but um, we, we try mm-hmm. not to be evil. So we, we try not to be part of that. Right. <laughs> when and what caused you to start this compassionate PR firm, and had both of you been in PR in the past? Um, both of us have a background in PR and advertising and marketing, um, which we had done for many years before we decided to start our own firm. Um, we just sort of thought that why, why don't we take this experience that we have in our career and, and go with it more of our passion and more with the companies who are doing amazing things in the world and sort of looked at as our agency more as, as activism really than, than a job. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it's a, there's a concept in Buddhism called right livelihood, um, mm-hmm. which a lot of people can relate to. And, and, you know, we work with filmmakers and lawyers and graphic designers and, and really people like doing all kinds of things. And, and the point became very clear that whatever you do, you can do it for a higher purpose. Like you can do what you do for animals. You can make films about animals if you're a filmmaker. Or if you're an attorney, you can practice animal law. Or whatever you do, if you cook, you can be a vegan chef. Or even if you're a teacher, then you can, you know, sponsor or start like the animal rights club at, at the school where you work. So there's so many ways that you can combine what you do with whatever cause that you have in your heart. Yeah, and for us, there's, there's a lot of different causes that you know that we feel really close to. Um, Compassion for animals is obviously one of them, but. Um, working on peace, working with people's spiritual growth. I mean, there's a lot of different places that, that we try to put our attention to. Very cool. So with that, is that what you look for in your clients? What kind of clients do you generally generally work with and who have you worked with in the past? Um, we have worked with uh, a lot of uh, various clients, but uh, we're a small company, company, obviously. It's just Gary and myself, so we are – pretty much a mom and pop shop, I guess, without the, without the actual kids, without anyone calling us mom and pop, that is. Um, but, you know, our clients are kind of in the same situation as we are. They're, they're people who have a passion for doing something and are trying to make a living doing it. So they tend to be small companies as well um, who are maybe starting out locally or just moving to more national, like in the case of a food company, they're moving to national distribution um, in the case of a film, they're just coming out of the gate and needing to get as much attention as possible. So they tend to be smaller organizations. Yeah, it's, it's really important for us that the companies and the people that we work with are trying to change the world in some, some positive uh, way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's also really important that the people that we work with, that we respect who they are, that we try to build a positive relationship with them um, because it makes our, our job and our life much easier. Right. Well, one thing, too, that was frustrating for us in the very beginning was to see companies with healthy products, for example, that are represented by an agency that also works on the other side. Um, So we focus on clients that we happen to support ethically, um, but that is also a two-way street because a company that has some sort of ethical position um, shouldn't be represented by a PR agency that is also working for something that is opposed to that particular ethic. So there can be a lot of conflicts of interest if you're just following the money, and that tends to not be what we do. Um, so uh, ideally, I mean, our clients understand that, and they don't want to be a part of that either. Um, so for us, it, it just has to be companies that we support, and they understand why we're doing this too. Right, right. And what types of services do you offer your clients? Obviously, PR is many things rolled into one, but what, what do you guys offer? Uh, well, it's kind of funny because obviously our deals and the people that we want to work with are so far outside the mainstream, um, yet our PR services are pretty traditional in a sense. Um, we focus mm-hmm. on media outreach, writing and placing articles, press releases, um, continually pitching journalists, getting reviews published, uh, trying to win awards for our clients. Um, we also do a lot of consulting and strategic planning, um, and we also tend out to, to uh, give out a lot of free advice whether people mm-hmm. want it or not. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things we're working on right now um, that I'm really excited about is actually for the general public or for some specific people, it's um, 
going to be a handbook, I would say, for activists who want to use media to their advantage. And I'm not sure yet if it's going to be a live presentation or a training manual or something that people can download. Um, but it's something that we are really into right now because there's a, a lot of small and medium-sized um, organizations, nonprofits, and activists um, who need to have something like this, who need to have help getting their message out. And hopefully this will be something that really helps them. At the beginning, at the beginning of, of what you were just talking about, you cut out a little bit. What, what was it exactly? Um, it's, I think it's going to be a handbook or some sort of handbook. Training manual, or we're, I, I'm not sure exactly what the format is going to be, but it, it, mm -hmm. it should be really helpful for people who are trying to do their own PR and get their own messages out there if they're working with some sort of small nonprofit or on some sort of activist issue. Yeah, That's a great wanted, idea. And I just want to quickly add, it's, it's really important for organizations and nonprofits to um, know how to actually work with the media. You know, to, right. to know how to write a press release, to know how to speak to the media, to know how to you know, use particular language that's going to be attractive to the media. Um, and so we're trying to, to come up with some way to be helpful to those types of organizations. Have you found that PR for these types of clients is more challenging than with traditional clients? Uh, oh, yes. Most of the time, absolutely more challenging. I mean, there are, we have a few examples that would absolutely enrage you, and I won't talk about them because it would definitely incriminate the guilty parties, but um, I mean, our clients are usually really offensive to the meat and dairy industry and fast food and processed food and the pharmaceutical industry and the medical and healthcare industry, and obviously these are, these are who are advertising on the nightly news or all of those industries, so yeah. that, right. that is challenging. And really the biggest challenge for us is, is to be able to translate our client's message into a message that the mainstream journalists can understand. Uh, right. so if, if we're working with a documentary about vegan diets, I can't talk about compassion for animals because they're just not going to understand that message. So mm -hmm. we have to basically talk about the health benefits or let's say the diet benefits um, to, to be able to get the journalist to pick up the telephone. Because at the end of the day, once you get that journalist on the telephone, you can clarify your message, and you'll find that the journalist will be more open to what our clients' messages are. Uh, mm -hmm. The goal, of course, being, you know, how do we translate this message to get them to pick up the phone in the first place? Exactly. Now, have you seen the PR machine change since you began your firm? I know for me, it's when I did PR for many years, it changed quite a bit from traditional pitching to mainly a lot of online press. Have you seen that change? Oh, for sure. I mean, particularly now with all the layoffs and major magazines closing down and even daily newspapers closing down, which is so sad. I mean, things have, have been terrible for us in that regard. Um, so, I mean, it is important to keep up on what's happening in media and publishing because that's, that's a, a big deal for us. And what's bad for journalism is usually really bad for PR too, um, at least the kind of PR that we do. If you're in corporate PR, you know, it can be a very good thing to have a lot of or media organizations cutting staff, um, but for us it tends to be a very bad thing. Mm. It's also been a lot more difficult to, to get journalists' attention. I mean, for example, at a, at a large newspaper, say like the New York Times, you might have had eight different people who covered food topics. And with all the layoffs, you may only have three people. And those three people are now splitting, let's say, a thousand pitches that they're getting in a day or within a couple of days. Um, so you have to be a lot more creative and obviously build your relationships in, in a big way because it's really difficult when you have, you know, a nice two-year relationship with somebody and that person has now been let go. Creativity right. is really important. I mean, we, creativity, but also formula at the same time. I mean, it, there is kind of a fine line there, and and we need strategically, we need to know. Um, what has worked before, but also be able to generate some new ideas to get attention. And journalists, too, I mean, they want to give their readers what they expect, but they still want to give them something new. And on the other hand, new is risky, but, you know, and sometimes they don't want to take a chance, but they also don't want to be behind the curve. So it's, it's a really, it's, right. what's going on right now is really interesting, I have to say. Yeah, and also yeah. to be a little bit more direct to your point, Carolyn, I mean, obviously um, blogs, on online journalists, um, you better definitely be a master of social media. I mean, that, that has changed significantly in certain ways. You know, we've worked with documentary films who, you know, get a really nice blog post and will actually have more sales of their DVD than getting in, you know, a traditional newspaper that actually has a far larger audience. Yeah, it's, 
it's a funky way of doing things now, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to get creative. Now, who are your current clients? And please take this opportunity to, to chat about some of their projects. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, twist, <laughs> twist my arm. Um, we are working right now with a nonprofit um, called the One Life Alliance. It's onelifealliance.org, and it was started after the terrorist attacks in Mumbai, India, in November of 2008. It was Thanksgiving Day, so a lot of people probably remember that. Um, and they are an incredible group of people. They are really incredible. Um, Kia Sher is the co-founder. Her husband and her 13-year-old daughter were killed in the terrorist attacks in Mumbai. Um, she was the the American victim, essentially, of the of that tragedy. And her reaction was not to want revenge or want more violence, but to show compassion and love for the people who are responsible for it. And uh, we're excited to represent them. The, the world was basically shocked that that was her response, that her response was forgiveness. And, you know, talking about compassion and forgiveness is very much outside of the mainstream view when it comes to foreign policy. So she's exactly. def- definitely taken some heat for it, um, as you can imagine. Um, and it, it is kind of a subversive thing to be doing to have this conversation about forgiveness um, mm-hmm. but she's incredibly inspiring and, and again that's One Life Alliance uh, onelifealliance.org And the uh, other, other client that we are working with is a documentary film called Forks Over Knives um, which mm-hmm. covers the science and the research behind a whole foods plant based diet um, and that's going to be coming out later this year um, and your listeners are going to absolutely love it this is really kind of the movie that everyone in the vegan community has just been waiting for, you know, the, the type of movie that you could basically give to your parents, your cousins, or your friends that show the science behind the diet um, mm-hmm. so that they no longer think you're crazy and making these things up. Um, right. And, and your listeners, I don't want to give away too much of it because I know that you're going to be talking to the filmmakers sometime uh, in the next couple months. But exactly. But uh, mm-hmm. you can go to the website, which is ForksOverKnives.com, um, or go to their Facebook page and check out the trailer, which is really wonderful. I, I am definitely excited, and I'm not going to give it away, but but you're very right, hitting the nail on the head, that it is a movie that uh, most people will be, I guess, will be vindicated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just a wonderful, it's really just going to be a wonderful activist tool in a sense. You know, it's like everyone has had these conversations, whether it's heart disease or cancer, or osteoporosis, uh, type 2 diabetes, et cetera, and, you know, nobody believes you. Everybody thinks you're making this up, and this film is actually the science and research behind um, really these chronic diseases and how we can basically heal them through a whole, you know, whole foods, plant-based diet. Yep, it's uh, it's going to be this year's, uh, I guess, The Cove, I'm hoping, or, or Food, Inc. Very so. exciting. Yes. So since uh, since this is the Earth Day show, do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Sure. Um, you know, obviously my advice would be go to vegan. Um, th- there's no more subversive act that you can take. There's no greater change that you can make in your life that's going to have a larger impact on the Earth and on um, basically the rest of us as well as the animals. Um, just in terms of the amount of greenhouse gases that are caused by eating animal products, the you know, use of water, the use of land, um, the pollution factors, on and on and on. Um, there's, there's just no greater thing that you can actually do other than going vegan. Um, you know, and, and my frustration, obviously, is there's just so much greenwashing out there, and the reality is you know, stop eating the animal products and make such a large contribution to um, you know, healing the planet. Well, I, I think the, the, the greenwashing comment is, is something that I really want to address um, because I, I have some advice for people about choosing green products. Um, this culture is pretty much a consumer treadmill, and even so-called eco-friendly companies are marketing to us very, very carefully. And a lot of the time, they are just trying to make us feel good about ourselves while we maintain this, those consumer behaviors that have gotten us into trouble in the first place. So mm-hmm. I would just ask that people take a step back from that and, you know, what, whatever they can do to question their lifestyle choices because they really do have power. And owning more stuff is just not the answer, even if it's more green stuff. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I saw a post recently about, you know, $180 eco-organic cotton hemp T-shirt, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? 
this is <laughs> justifiable because it's a green product. I mean, that that's insane. So on, on Earth Day, that's my Earth Day message is think about the consumerism. Right. Both great tips for Earth Day, and I agree with them 100%. Uh, where can we find out some more about you guys and Evo Lotus PR? Um, well, you can always Facebook us, and we do have a website that was um, that we're slightly embarrassed by. Uh, it was something we sort of rushed up four years ago when we started our agency, um, and, and I can sort of give everybody listening some good advice. Um, hire a web designer to do your website and not a waitress at a vegan restaurant. <laughs> That's also great advice. Yeah. <laughs> it is E V O L O T U S P R dot com. Very cool. And quickly, oddly enough that you mentioned the you know, get someone to, to do your site that's a web designer and not a a waitress, sometimes people, you know, you have to just kind of make do with what you have in your budget. What advice would you give people who may not have a budget for PR and are just starting to build their brand how they could get started? Um, well, definitely that website is important, um, and that's worth the investment, um, as well as social media pages, um, your Facebooks and your Twitters, which Carolyn is the master of. Um, <laughs> it usually makes more sense for someone who's inside the organization to run the social media anyway versus an outside consultant like us. I mean, there are times when you just don't have the people and you want someone else to do it, but it's mm -hmm. still a good idea to do it yourself. Um, and when you're doing that, you know, there's some rules of engagement that you need to follow, but it's, it's still a really good way to start building your fan base and getting your, your products or your information out there. Yeah, also, I would suggest that you produce a really great video. So let's say you have um, a, a self-published book or a self-distributed documentary film. It's really great to produce some sort of video or trailer, or really you mm -hmm. can do that around any kind of a project uh, product. And anything that's under you know, 10 minutes can be on YouTube, which is great for, to be picked up on blogs or for Facebook and Twitter, et cetera. So it's really a great way to get a lot of pretty you know, low Im or high impact, low cost attention. I think that traditional media outreach is really important even for a small startup, uh, you know, whatever it is you're starting to do. And building relationships with journalists um, in your local area or those that cover the types of things that you do on a national level, you need to build those relationships. And, and you need to put the effort, in, and we do, and, and you can too, put the effort into nurturing those relationships and those contacts. Yeah, and I would right. say it's really important if you're going to try and make relationships with journalists to actually understand what sort of coverage area that they cover. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is go to somebody who covers, let's say, cars, and you try to push them on um, T-shirts. You know, you right. you'll just automatically alienate them, and obviously to be incredibly respectful of their time, um, and you know, anytime you read an article by them that you like, you can always send them a, a quick note saying, "Hey, that was a really thoughtful article." Just a really good way to you know try to build relationships on your own. Right. Exactly. All great tips. And what was your uh, your website address one more time? It's uh, oh, you want to go ahead? L O T U S P R dot com. Lotus P R. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and being a part of the, the Earth Day show and dispelling your wonderful information about PR and, uh, and being green. <laughs> I'm very excited that you guys came on, and, and I'm excited to, to work with your clients and, and have them on the show too. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Carol. Thank you, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Everybody hang tight because we will be right back after these messages. I know it's tough to hear me with this firefighter's air pack on, but it's the only way I can be in this smoldering pile of ashes that was my office. I hope you won't make the same mistake since at least one in four businesses never reopen after a disaster. The fire's bad, but the water damage? I should have done our disaster plan, but I just didn't see this coming. There'll always be a few fires to put out around the office unless it's not around anymore. Go to ready.gov and make your company's plan. Ready.gov. It's never too late to protect your business until it is. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. And we're back on Healthy Voyager Radio. All right, make sure you visit sporkfoods.com and evolotuspr.com. That's E-V-O-L-O-T-U-S-P-R.com. You can follow them both on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to check out Spork's upcoming uh, online classes 
as well as Evo Lotus's PR's uh, compassionate clients. They've got lots of great stuff and um, films that they're promoting. So check them both out. Learn how to cook veg and start following more compassionate uh, products and movies and filmmakers and that. Uh, make sure you join me next week when I welcome the wonderful speaker, artist, author, and inspirationalist, Will Tuttle, as well as the compassionate cook herself, Miss Colleen Patrick Goudreau. As for Healthy Voyager, you can always follow me on Twitter, healthyvoyager.com. Facebook, I've got a fan page and a group page and my page, so you'll find me all over the place there, YouTube and all over the web. And if you're looking to connect with other healthy voyagers or cooks or anybody that's traveling the world and trying to be healthy, um, any of that stuff, you can join healthyvoyagerpassportpals.ning.com and uh, and share your stories and pictures and all that good stuff. I'd like to thank Heather and Jenny Goldberg again, as well as Gary Smith and Keisha Jerome one more time for all of their great info today. Be sure to check out the podcast of today's show, as well as past shows on healthyvoyager.com under the shows page, as well as on iTunes and Zoom, where you can subscribe so you never miss a show. And before we head out, I, as usual, play us out with a cool song. This time it's uh, by Death Cab for Cutie. I'm sure we've all heard of them. I know that uh, one of the members married Miss Zoe Deschanel recently, and they're all crazy happy vegans. Uh, so like I said, the Death Cab for Cutie boys are all vegetarian, if not vegan. So that's why they definitely make the cut to be played on Healthy Voyager Radio. Check out deathcabforcutie.com for info on their tour dates, their new music, and all that stuff. Thanks again for joining me today. Have an awesome weekend, a wonderful Earth Day weekend, and enjoy Summer Skin by Death Cab for Cutie. Bye.